1: If you'd like to get more involved in the conversation, join our Facebook group at Social Capital Network, a community of trust, reciprocity, and relationships. You can also follow me on Twitter at LJHybe. This week's guest is Peter Yawitz. Peter is a management communication consultant helping individuals and groups at global companies communicate more effectively. His website, someoneelsesdad.com, has videos, an Ask Dad column, and a podcast giving tons of practical and humorous advice on how to manage life at work. His book, Flip Flops and Microwave Fish, Navigating the Do's and Don'ts of Workplace Culture, is full of advice and humor for young professionals and anyone else who questions whose questions are rarely answered in the workplace. Peter, welcome to the show.
0: Thanks, Lori. It's great to be here.
1: Well, I'm excited to have this conversation, um, and I'm just going to jump right into this flip-flops, flip-flops and microwave fish. Yeah. So let's talk about your book a little bit. Why did you write it, and, and who exactly is it for?
0: Well, as you said, it's for, it's for young professionals entering the workforce, but it's also for anyone who feels a little bit disenfranchised. Going into a work and feeling they don't fit in. So, as background, as you said, I'm a longtime management communication consultant, and what uh, one thing's that, the thing that I've done for many years is to do new hire orientations for the young people, and I just found that over the years, people would start asking me questions that they were not getting answered from the HR department or any kind of any kind of orientation session. And these were just things that they didn't they no one had ever told them and it could be something simple about well how do I how do I construct an email or what should I do in a subject line or how does my tone come across. But then it got a little bit deeper and people would say things like well what happens if you're talking to somebody at work and that person is totally hot like how do you focus? And then my favorite one, which came from both men and women, I've gotten it a couple of times, was what do you do when your manager follows you into the adjacent toilet stall and continues a conversation? Do you still have to talk? And I thought, you know, I, I would never laugh at any question because they wouldn't ask the questions if they didn't want to know the answers. So mm-hmm. I thought this is a good opportunity right now for me to do something like everything you wanted to know, but were afraid to ask. And I started my, my business website is called clearcommunication.net, but I started this new website called someoneelsesdad.com really to answer those questions. And I started with some humorous videos, and then I started an Ask Dad column where people have asked me more questions. And most recently, a podcast where I work along with an HR professional, and we I wanted an HR professional because I didn't want to say as a non-HR person, well, you should talk to HR about that. I really wanted someone sure. who knew the legalities about it. So and it's a nice balance because we are from different backgrounds, different genders, and uh, she's she balances me pretty nicely and then also the final thing in my podcast is i interview what i call a young exciting ceo and i'm very selective about that because i really want to see how people who are younger start up a new company and how they develop their own cultures to to suit younger workers who who are a little bit different from the old fuddy duddies, like my gender, people in my generation. And what I mean by that is people who are used to working a certain way. And I think, unfortunately, complain now is like those young millennials and Gen Zs, they are just so entitled. They want everything. But if you don't listen to what they want and you don't set up a culture that enables you to achieve what you want and attract younger people who might get excited about things, then maybe you're not going to move forward as well. So Mm -hmm. uh, I, I find it a very interesting time in business. So the that book, sure so the book came out really. Um, I'm, I'm finding I'm, I'm on a you know lecture tour, so I'm speaking at universities and I'm doing a lot of lunch and learns for companies where the companies will buy the book for all the employees, and I go in and I'll talk about general issues in communication, and then it, the questions get very very specific. Not only from the young professionals, but from the senior people who want to know. Well, you know, I never really was clear about this. How should I manage someone younger to get them motivated? So it's just been a very very very, I, I would say not to use the book analogy, but it's been a new chapter in my career and I'm enjoying it a lot.
1: That's fantastic. And I love it that you've taken this initiative to really help um solve these problems yeah that are not easily addressable well you know like. what
0: my kids never listen to me so if it's if someone else's dad <laughs> maybe i've having a bit better success doing that
1: <laughs> i love it so let's talk about um the young professionals right now i mean yeah. gen z is officially entering the workforce mm-hmm. um, how would you recommend they start building a network now that they're just starting out
0: It's difficult. And I've, you know, I've met people really all across the spectrum and I get asked a lot about, well, what should I tell Gen Z or what is it about the millennials? And it's hard to say because everybody is an individual. People are different. You've got some people who are in the the generation Z who are very comfortable making their own network, talking to people from their alumni networks, et cetera. And then you've got a lot of people from also from that generation who are Little more introverted because they've never really had to speak. You know, they're more comfortable with email than actually thinking, oh, to set up a meeting would be too hard for me. I'm just going to stay away from that. So, the first thing I want, I, I would say to people who are starting out is chill, just chill a minute. I mean, it's nice to develop a network, but it's not necessarily the first thing you have to do when you start a job. Start your job and learn to do your job well and develop a little bit of credibility about what you do. And then once you've done that, then try to look for people just to get to know and to let people know what you are doing, uh, and it doesn't have to be so self-serving that you're looking for a network to get a new job. After all, you just got there, but it's not a bad idea just to inform, you know, even your your dad's old best friend Ed, uh, what's going on, just so you'll stay in touch. So I, I wouldn't say the first thing is to develop a network, but certainly within you know, the first year or so, think about people that might want to know what you're doing or people that are in the right industry. It's not a bad thing to do just to get to know other people.
1: I agree hundred percent. So, um, I love the idea of, chilling a minute and not going full speed. Um, I but mean, at the
0: same- are so neurotic yeah. in the very beginning. I mean, imagine, think of your first job and my first job. You don't know anything. You don't even know. I mean, the big, the big takeaway that I think people get still is you think you're going to make a certain amount of money per week, and then your paycheck comes in. You're like, something's wrong here. Something's wrong here. My net pay is way less than I thought it would be. <laughs> I remember that was like, I remember talking to people it was like, what's going on? Oh, yeah, taxes, but really that much? So there's just basic things about where you put your coat. Uh, You know, get chill out about that. Learn that. Learn where, you know, learn how to get coffee. Learn to put your coffee cup away. Learn what people do. And then, you know, learn your job. And eventually you'll get to other stuff.
1: Yeah. No, those are good insights for sure. So um, as you've uh, really been exploring this topic and you're on this speaking tour, um, I'm sure you've been leveraging uh, the the digital space Mm. a bit to to grow your audience. What's been the most effective social medium for you?
0: i say the most effective thing is hiring someone to do it for me. That's been the most (laughs) most important thing I would say because Uh (laughs) I get advice from my publisher and from young people, my kids and their friends, and they say, you should do this, you should do this. And the first thing I want to do when I hear that is to you know, hide under a desk because it's not my natural thing. Uh, you know, I joined Facebook when people, of my generation joined Facebook and I didn't, I'm not a, I am not aii do not really look at other social media. I joined LinkedIn cause I think that's really important for business, but mm-hmm. Twitter and Instagram just didn't, didn't appeal to me. It's just, I didn't want to be distracted by things, but now I am part of it, uh, really at the recommendation of my publisher first, because my audience is young and I want to make sure that I am uh, attracting that audience. I mm-hmm. actually, okay, this is like just a secret that I'll tell you. I, I just, I, as I, I hired several people to do some social media for me. And my most recent hire, uh, whom I think is terrific, did an analysis of everything that I've done and said, based on my content, the funny videos that I've done have the most success. Of course, mm-hmm. you know, he says that that's the most difficult and time consuming thing to do, but, you know, it means that I have to continue to do that. So, YouTube for me is much more uh, important than I thought it was going to be and it's something that I can understand because I do watch videos. If the Instagram stuff where it's all promotional about, you know, what I had for dinner last night, I don't really care about that. And believe me, if you if you follow me on someone at someone else's dad, you will not find out what I had for dinner, but you will find some good tips because I do try to stay active there.
1: That's great. I mean, video is one of the most you know, fastest mediums and most engaged piece of content that's being produced right now. So I think that's fantastic that you're maximizing that and, and kudos to um, the individual on your team who, who kind of did some digging to figure out, you know, which content's actually producing the best yeah, results? Yeah, I mean, it
0: really does make a difference. There's so many analytical tools, and I'm a one man shop, and I just, I, I just don't have the time. First of all, but I don't, I, I just don't want to spend time learning it because it will be a time suck. That's really what it is. I mean, I guess I could mm-hmm. learn to do that, but I don't really want to. So I would rather well, provide content and have someone tell me where to put it or how to design it, so I know that I'm doing it in the best way.
1: And I, I think um, I think that's brilliant, actually. And I, I see so many solopreneurs trying to do everything themselves because they want to save a couple dollars. And that's great. But you're wasting your own time growing the area of expertise that you flourish yes, in.
0: Exactly. And I've got to say that it is it is costing me a lot of money. And I, I, I don't know the return on the investment here, but I know that you're right. I, I can't sit around and I know it's a necessity, but it would just take me way too long to do it right. Mm-hmm. And I've done some stuff on my own. And when I had my guy look at it, he didn't, he, I mean, he was very nice. He didn't say, Peter, this really stinks. He just, you know, he was very gentle about that. He said, this is good, except there's a, you know, too much text here. Uh, we want to make things simpler. So fine. So I have my team working on that and, and that's just great because there are people who have fantastic skills to do it. And I just don't have those skills.
1: That's awesome. All right, Peter. So the focus on my show is really about networking. Yeah. We've, we've covered that a little bit. My goal is ultimately to eliminate any fears that someone mm. might have when mm-hmm. they hear that word. Mm-hmm. So can you share with our listeners, one of your uh, most successful or favorite networking experiences that you've had
0: a couple of years ago I, you know, I find that I've had a lot of success with my alumni networks. When I travel to different cities, i will always see you know i'll do a little advanced research you know who from my college who from my grad school is around who is doing something interesting or working for a company that i want to target uh, that i should just contact and i have found that people like that and this is something i'd recommend too when we talk about specific networking i found that's been very very helpful to me and the most successful one really was i was in chicago and I befriended some guy. I sent him some information uh, about myself. He was a great guy. He said, come and let's have lunch. And we talked. He's still like right, right around my age. And he told me about a company that he used to work with. And he said, oh, I, th- I bet they would really be happy to you. Use my name. And I did. And within like three months, I had worked for them. So I use that as an example to say, you never know where things are going to come, come from. And don't be embarrassed to... I don't want to say the word sell yourself because that has a bad connotation, but I would just say don't be afraid to be assertive about what you're looking for and just be polite about how you're doing it. And actually when I do a lunch and learn seminar, I often call it the, the moral of the story is be assertive and polite. And that will that will take you to places that you might not have thought you were gonna get to. So it also takes the fear away of being a salesman. It's like, I don't want to be, people say, I don't want to be aggressive, but I don't want to be passive either. And I said, well, throw out those two words, throw out that spectrum. Who cares about that? Just don't, don't even think about it. Just say, okay, what is it that you really want? And how can you be specific about it, but also be polite about what you're trying to do? And uh, I think that's a, a, a nice way to, to think about interactions with other people.
1: I love that. be assertive and polite. that definitely makes sense. it's not it's not heavy on the sales yeah approach, right. but it's definitely making the point that you're trying to make mm-hmm.
0: yeah, so that's probably my networking story that i'm I'm uh, that that comes up it's like, wow I act from just a cold call or a cold email. something happened uh, very nice for me. Uh, yeah, that's but, great. but I'm also, I mean, my, part of my personality, I'm, I've always been a networker. I've never been afraid of that. In fact, I'm on the board of a, a non-for-profit here in New York. And they, they, they laugh because they'll find somebody who has either donated to the, the foundation or somebody who might be interesting, and they'll just send me the email, right? says they do you know this person, Peter. And I say I'll usually say, no, I don't, but I know someone who does, leave it to me. And, but I don't mean it in a, in a, like, leave it to me, I'll take care of it. But I know mm-hmm. how to write an email to somebody to say, hey, uh, it's a health, it's a it's a disease foundation. So I usually start with something that is emotional, but I know what it's like. I'd love to be able to talk to you about that. Can we meet? So there's no, nothing threatening in that email. It's just basically, I'm here to make sure you get the right resources Uh, Can we have lunch? I'd love to talk to you about that. And even the foundation said, can you you give us a copy of all the emails that you sent so we know how to do it? And I'm happy to do that. It's just, it's honestly, it just comes naturally to me. But I think in terms of being a network, a good networker is that you shouldn't be afraid You should never, the worst thing that can happen is people don't get back to you, or the second worst is they could say, no, get out of my life. I hate you. Go away, which really doesn't happen that much. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the best thing is someone really thanks you because you're, you're just offering something that can help somebody. And, you know, that's how, that's for, that's just for the nonprofit. But I just, um, I don't, I'm not afraid of it uh, at all. You know, what's the worst thing that can happen?
1: Yeah, that's a great question to ask. Um, and a great story that, that you shared. Thank Mm -hmm. you very much. I I love that you're leveraging your alumni networks, um, to make that happen. So we've, you've shared some insights already about how to kind of grow your network and and really just to kind of pause a little bit before jumping in. Um, but as you've traveled, um, and, you know, expanded your professional career, you've definitely built quite an extensive network. So how do you stay in front of or best nurture these relationships?
0: I try to, you know, I, I don't I, I don't want to be so self-promotional. I guess I'm more self-promotional now because I've got a book to sell. So mm-hmm. I will post, uh, I have a MailChimp list. So if there is a, an Ask Dad that I find interesting, I'll email it to those people. Uh, I would also post on LinkedIn and use the other social media t- if it's interesting. I try not to jam it down people's throats, but I figure I'm only going to do something if it's a topic that I think a general population might be interested in. I also, uh, you know, I have a, a large network around the world and I try to, I, I, I guess a lesson is I, I, I do use LinkedIn a lot. And when I meet people in different offices around, I try to get get the, uh, LinkedIn on, on LinkedIn right away. So then automatically as part of your network, you can follow and find out whether they move to a different company. LinkedIn is nice because it says offer congratulations if somebody moves. So, so mm-hmm. I will actually do that because it just you just stay in front of people a little bit. And I don't want anything from them just to say, hey, congratulations on your move. It just it's a nice thing that when people send something to me, it's like even on Facebook, someone that you went to elementary school with will say happy birthday. Okay, you know that they're sending you a happy birthday because it's on their Facebook reminder of whose birthday it is today, but I still get tickled when people send me a happy birthday note on Facebook. Mm-hmm. I know it's completely, you know, not on their own calendar, but that's kind of sweet. So when I post something, and you know, even if people do a like on a on a, a comment that I made, um, I don't know, it makes me feel good to know that I'm connected still. So I, you know, I don't go overboard, but. I I definitely try to stay in touch as much as I can to let people know what I'm doing or congratulate people, or especially when I'm traveling, I will try to set up a lunch. And again, this happens a lot. I mean, more than not, I'll say, hey, I'm going to be in wherever. I'll be in town. Any chance we could grab a coffee? And more often than not, people will say, "Uh, Peter, so nice to hear from you. Honestly, I'm really busy. Maybe next time. And that's okay, too. At least I get my name out there to remember who I am. So I don't take it personally.
1: No, I love that. I think that's um, great, and I, I'm a, definitely a fan of the the birthday reminders yeah. and the con- congratulate on the new position reminders. Yeah. And I I try. I mean, I'll I'll do the public announcement or congrats, sure. But I do try to do that private message, yes, um, nice. and just kind of go a little bit further than the canned message right, that's right. that's on the platform. I have to say that um, I don't
0: do I don't do birthdays on LinkedIn because I really tried to keep LinkedIn as business and mm-hmm. Facebook as Personal. I made that mistake very early on when Facebook just came out. And then I found out, wow, all these colleagues, these clients of mine are on Facebook. We're friends. And then I realized when I when I saw some pictures of them in, in places, you know, it could be at the beach or something where, you know what? I really didn't need to know that. Mm-hmm. I, you know, it's nothing. Well, I mean, there's one situation where it was a little bit, oh, okay. I didn't need to know that. But, uh, <laughs> you know, for the most part, it's their family stuff. Let, let, I'm not really that kind of friend. So I stop I un I mean no offense to anyone who might be listening just like how come you don't hear from me? I just unfollowed my my business connections on Facebook because I really try to keep it separate.
1: Yeah, that's smart.
0: And I recommend so- that to young people too. Yeah, you know, business is business, friends are friends and mm-hmm. And you know the oversharing stuff. This is you know it's interesting about the the oversharing. I have a section in my book about that, about socializing with the boss, socializing on a business trip, with coworkers who party or a boss parties and you don't. I've heard many stories where it's something is seemingly innocuous, like you're going out for drinks, or you're at a it's it's or a conference where people go out you know to walk on the beach and someone will take a picture. You know, for a social network, saying "Hey, we're we're, this is we're having a great time at this conference," but you see people in a different light, or you see someone with a beer in his or her hand, and that Mm -hmm. gets posted somewhere. And people who, let's say, I'm walking with, and I'm not holding a beer, but everyone else is, I still might get in trouble for oh, drinking on the job. Okay, people don't get into trouble for that, but uh, I've heard people get a little figurative slap on the wrist, like you shouldn't post that that social stuff on. Instagram or whatever. Oh, and you sure. know, it's also really interesting, Lori. I had a call the other day from a reporter who was doing a story about, uh, she's in Illinois and she said, well, right now CBD is, is, uh, legal in not CBD. I mean, um, the CBD is legal, ever. It's it's grass. What do they call it? Um, uh,
1: THC marijuana. Yeah,
0: just regular old pot is legal mm-hmm. in uh, in Illinois now. What do we think about that at work? Do you tell people that you got stoned last night, whereas maybe you might say I got drunk last night. I went out with friends. We had a drink. We went out together and we shared a we shared some pot. And I thought, kind okay, of, this is. Uh, it's interesting my answer to those questions is it's a little bit too early to start oversharing that because even though it's it's if it's just legal some people might think well that's not really appropriate to do with your work colleagues or oh are you a, are you a dope fiend so i just you know my advice is i would hold off on sharing any of that information or even having water cooler talk that you could still say we went out for drinks last night we had a good time i would still avoid saying and oh, we got totally wasted uh, but I would I would avoid the whole thing <laughs> yeah. about you know we, we got stoned together. It's too early for that.
1: Yeah, oh, I I agree hundred percent with that. That's um, it is too early. Yeah, and I mean and, and even at the federal national level, yeah. it's not legal. So exactly right. Mm. And
0: also, companies might still have policies that we don't condone any kind of a alcohol or even they don't or just ban substances. And even though it's not a banned substance in the state, why, why try to play the game? It's just—it's mm-hmm. not the norms are, haven't been set. Let's just wait a little
1: totally, bit. Totally, totally agree. All right, Peter, so you've talked a little bit about leveraging LinkedIn, mm-hmm. and obviously, you do a lot of the face-to-face as you are on your speaking tours. Yeah. But between digital networking and traditional networking, which one do you find more value in?
0: Digital or or just traditional? Oh, definitely traditional. I think it's my okay. generation, and I. I would rather have a coffee with somebody and schedule, schedule an actual meeting because so you get more done that way. Uh, you know, I, I, for, for my book, my publisher says digital marketing is the way to go based on who this audience is. But even if I'm trying to network with a junior person or even let's say you know some of these young CEOs that I am trying to get on my podcast, I will approach them first on email, but then I'd like to have a f- phone conversation. And if I can do something in person, I just find it—you it, develop relationships better. I, you know, it's interesting also because I, I say this in training sessions to young people: you got to get off your ass. You can't mm-hmm. just text your boss or your coworker who's in the next cubicle or down on the same table that you are. You, you got to get up and talk to someone. Swivel your chair around rather than just saying, "Do you have those audit numbers?" You could just turn around and say, "Hey, hey, question for you." there's nothing wrong in fact there's a lot of benefits to having face to face interaction you see the facial expression you can get to really know someone you remove a tremendous amount from interaction by taking away the facial expression and the vocal tone so i, uh, I would I say traditional and i don't mean and i don't say that just because i'm an old fuddy-duddy even though i am i i still think cuz i you know i text all the time but i really can only get to know somebody with some kind of interaction that is not just
1: digital all right well i'm going to open up a little rabbit hole then oh please you, you kind of <laughs>
0: here we go. you kind of
1: went down this approach of like, talking turning around in the chair yeah. to yeah, talk yeah. to your coworker. um a lot of companies are really trying to embrace the work remote pol- policy oh, yeah. mm-hmm. so what is your opinion on that i'm sure from your what you're yeah. doing you probably get a lot of questions related to yes that. i do
0: um uh, I think it's wonderful that companies are flexible about at home time. And you know, I've had a lot of comments from people whose workplaces have changed from offices t- to cubicles and now total open plans. And the problem with open plan is that it's a l- little bit easier for people to talk across the table. And people are now using noise-canceling headphones just so they can get some work done. And some people mm-hmm. just said, you know, I need to work from home today because I really have to focus. Uh, I think the downside of totally a virtual network is that there is really uh, – it's that you miss that human interaction of even the even the small talk or the water cooler talk or just to, to get people to really sense of what you can do besides just basic tasks. You know, people are complex. It's I, You know, I'm not a, just an engineer. I am also an engineer, but I'm also – somebody who can investigate resources. I'm not just someone who uh, coordinates. I'm also somebody who has great de- depth of knowledge in one area. And how do you really do that purely on email? You, you get to know someone. You say, boy, haven't you had these conversations, Lori, where you found you just have a conversation with someone, wow, this person's so interesting because he or she has a background in this, or is involved in this volunteer thing, or has Mm -hmm. a child who has a special needs and what they had to do is this. I don't know whether that comes up so much. If you're just working remotely, it it only comes up. Uh, if you, you have these conversations where you can, where you know where you can be empathetic and it's harder just to do it. If you, if you just see the words, Sure, you know, it's interesting when I've done seminars, you know, people talk about leadership and talking about building a team, uh, you know it's it's really nice when you say how many people know how many children everyone on your team has or who who has been through a divorce or who has an ailing parent or who has a special needs child who who has special circumstances about getting to work and the best managers know that and they incorporate that information into how you manage a team so mm-hmm. Listen. If you can, if everything works smoothly with working remotely, I'm not there to change it. I'm just saying that's there are disadvantages and advantages.
1: Yeah, no, I think that's great, and I agree with that 100. Um, percent I'm definitely a fan of the in-person, yeah, uh, in office environment. We do have um, some remote team members, yeah. and it it is it definitely changed the dynamic of the office when we started doing this. Mm-hmm. Um, but we do require that they have a couple. Um, in person days throughout the year.
0: You know, it's funny. I just did right before you, I did another podcast interview where we had video. It was on Zoom and we had video. So we saw ourselves, and I really tried to look into the camera the entire time. And the guy who was running the podcast, Wasn't, but he was checking things. I mean, he's running the podcast, so he had his computer Mm -hmm. there. I don't know what he was doing, but that that was part of it, too, because I was talking about the importance of listening skills, and Mm -hmm. I I talked about how we can all fake it, and I said, what are you doing now to show me you're listening? And then there was a delay before he started nodding his head. So. You know, multitasking. You you can hide more when you are just on the phone. You can hide a oh, little yeah. bit when you have a video conference, but you really can't do that so much because it's rude if you're in a conference room with someone.
1: Yeah, there's definitely a lot of truth to that. Yeah, I, I am 100 percent focused on you right now. Just so oh, you. Oh, know. <laughs> okay, that's right. Well, I'm
0: actually I'm doing my nails and I'm I'm shopping for for, <laughs> for a bathing suit. Okay. No, well,
1: I'm, re- I'm, I'm really gonna actually. Not. But I could be if I wanted to. Well, I mean, I guess we're slowly approaching the warmer weather right now. And I really need a new
0: bathing suit. (laughs) All
1: right, Peter. um, I'm actually going to toss the mic to you and give you the opportunity to interview me. So what's something you'd like to ask me? I want to know.
0: I know that you are from... Milwaukee. Correct. Mm -hmm. Uh, but how did you get into your business as you know, we're both sole practitioners. How did your business start?
1: Um, you know, someone shared with me that most business owners started their business by accident. Mm -hmm. Um, and I would say to some extent mine was started more so out of the frustration of the firm I was at previously. Mm -hmm. Um, and the lack of opportunities that were available in 2008, That i just said i'm done i'm going to just try freelancing and see what happens and before i know it it's been 12 years and i've got a couple employees and and things are going good
0: that's great (laughs) what is your niche specifically what are you selling to your clients
1: great question so we focus on digital marketing we help um, b2b companies primarily industrial manufacturers um build brand awareness and generate leads online by starting with extensive research around who their target customer is and confirming What is the message that's going to connect and resonate with them? And then we build a strategy around what that message is, where it needs to be published, and the frequency that message needs to be communicated.
0: Well, I'm going to ask almost the same question you asked me. So this is a digital marketing agency. Do you Mm -hmm. find that for your clients, digital marketing makes more sense than traditional marketing?
1: I think it's a combination of both. Um, digital is fantastic to support a lot of activities in the traditional space, but if you think about any pains or challenges that you are facing, most people tend to go to Google first Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. that just is that baseline, I have some sort of challenge, and I'm trying to find the solution for it. I may not be looking to hire a company at that time, but I just need to understand this problem that I'm facing right now. And then that's usually that start of that customer journey to potentially getting to, you know, the, that company that can help solve that problem.
0: So you're investing heavily in SEO and, and making sure that your your clients are at the top of searches.
1: Correct. Yeah. SEO, uh, pay-per-click, um, and video, which is hot, <laughs> yeah. basically producing the content that helps position our clients as the expert in their space.
0: Well, okay. So now, now it's completely self-serving. Lori, what am I doing <laughs> wrong? <laughs> How do I get my message out there more?
1: Well, it's understanding your target customer and figuring out what is, well, there's a couple of things, figuring out who Um, who's influencing your target customer and trying to identify the influencers and converting them into advocates of you and your brand. But also um, figuring out, you know, is what is that root pain or challenge that they're searching for online and trying to show up in that initial stage so that, you know, as you're communicating your message and they're continuing their journey to making that decision of, oh, I need to engage a third party to solve this problem right. you're in front of them that entire process yeah
0: i think I, that's what i've heard and i you articulated it very well that you brought up this concept of influencers which i have to laugh and be a little bit cynical about not that i don't want to find the right influencer for me but i just uh i, I just find it so interesting my son and his girlfriend went to a restaurant once and they couldn't get in and they said but she's an influencer and then you know they they clear the table just for this info i'm a food influencer oh Mm -hmm. well then you get the vip treatment so i can what what should what kind of influencer should i be well i think i i I think i'd like to be an influencer if anyone noticed i just don't have people who notice yet uh because all this digital stuff is new for me but i think i've got a lot to say and i think and i think you have a lot to say as well
1: well, and when you think of influencers, it's not, yeah, the, the foodies on Instagram, That that's not what I'm looking for in the B2B space. Oh, clearly, space. clearly,
0: right. <laughs> I know.
1: I mean, have you heard the phrase micro-influencers? Uh, yes, so, I have heard the phrase. Yeah, I mean, very much in the B2B space, it's all about uh, quality over quantity. Yeah. So even if you've got just 100 people listening to your podcast, but they're the right 100 people, that's all that matters. right.
0: Well, do me a favor and find those for me, and uh, (laughs) (laughs) and then I'll be a micro influencer because I've or their micro influencers will help.
1: Uh huh. Uh, You know, it's
0: interesting. I'm not sure that there. Maybe there are. I shouldn't say no, but uh, I'm relying on my social media people to do that for me. This is all. I don't want to say it's brand new for me to be in the in the digital space, but I'm I'm actually seeing the benefits uh, of it. And it is kind of fun, especially when there's a little interaction between me and the people who are reading my stuff. So that is kind of fun. I just don't want to be obsessive about it. I think I said to the, the person before me that the, the podcast I did before is that when you're, I have a lot of friends who are authors and when their books first came out on Amazon, they would check daily to find out what their numbers were. And mm-hmm. I, I can't live that way because I, I get too crazy about it. So I'd rather have a couple of good comments every now and then rather than thinking, you know, what ranking I'm at every day.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of different strategies and and tactics to put into play. And at the end of the day, what's important is what are you trying to achieve? Mm -hmm. What's your goal? Mm -hmm. And, And let's find the quickest path to help you get there. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Peter, do you have any final word uh, of advice to offer our listeners with regards to growing and supporting your network? Oh,
0: you're very sweet to ask that question. Uh, 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 oh, about me or about them? Oh, for, for them, <laughs> let, let me say for, for young people who are looking to develop their network, I, um, you know, I think I was pretty clear about what it helped me. And I'll just tell you one story about a woman that I was working with at a large company. And I, she was the only p- woman professional left And because I I said, well, like, who are there other women that can because she was complaining about how she was treated. And I said, are there other women who can be champions? And she said, there is one who just left. And I said, I'm really sorry to hear that. But you should stay in touch with her because you are in the same industry. It's nice to have a sounding board of someone who of someone who understands what you went through. And. And I said, well, where did she go? And she said, I have no idea. And I said, Well, I'm sure you can find her on LinkedIn. And she said, Yeah, but that seems so self-promotional. So I would again reiterate, not never to be shy about this. People like connecting in into networks. And especially if there's a shared experience or shared people you know, that it sort of gives you the imprimatur of of acceptability. And that could be that you worked at a certain place or you worked in a certain industry or you went to a certain school. There are always some kind of shared affinity groups. And uh, I think that if you can find a couple of them or join a couple of groups, that'll be a nice way to start. And you know what? Even though we were talking about digital affinity groups there are still local groups that can help you there are local alumni clubs there are local groups all over the place where people get together because they have a shared interest and it could be by ethnicity it could be by gender it could be by any kind of orientation and i would just say if you see that you know automatically you belong and you shouldn't be shy about joining a place you belong
1: i think that's great i love that i am a huge advocate of affinity groups so I, I think that's fantastic insight to share there's there's always someone that's in a similar position as you or has experienced what you've experienced and um, or is about to experience something you've experienced yeah. and, and you know so, Laura
0: you know this that people like talking about their jobs mm-hmm. you know Absolutely. they're happy to talk about their jobs
1: that, that's great insight thank you so Peter if anyone is interested in getting in contact with you what's the best way they can reach you
0: well they can go, there are several ways I mean I have a, a website that covers absolutely everything that I do it does not include baby pictures and it does include what I had for dinner last night but if you do it at Peter that's P-E-T-E-R-Y-A-W-I-T-Z.com or if you remember me as advice from someone else's dad guy you can go to someone else's dad dot com and there are ways in both places for you to connect with me and I just because I, i'm in new to this digital space if you'd like to follow me on instagram twitter or youtube my handle is at someone else's dad so thank you for that
1: that's fantastic thank you so much for taking the time to be on the show oh, today it's been
0: my pleasure laura i really enjoyed it thank you this
1: was a ton of fun well this wraps up our episode of social capital a huge thank you to Peter for taking the time to connect with us. If you want to continue the conversation on networking and building your community, join our Facebook group. Just go to facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash social capital network. If you need me, send an email to lori at com. Otherwise, we'll see you next week. That's all for this episode of the Social Capital Podcast.